Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. So today, as JD said, it's part two of our series, It Takes a Village. And I've entitled this message, My Church, My Village. Can you repeat with me? My church, my village. My church, my village. See, if you know me or if you've had any kind of conversation with me in the past, you know that I'm not one for service level conversations. I like to go deep and I go fast. I like to know what's going on in your life. I like to ask you deep and tough questions. I'm not going to sit around and beat around the bush. You're probably going to cry. Sorry. Because that's just who I am. I love getting to know people for real, and I love to get to know what's actually going on in their lives. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you, you and I, just here, one-on-one conversation. So forget the person that's next to you. Turn around to them and say, sorry, I can't think of you right now. Not thinking about anybody that's next to me. Just one-on-one, me and you. Deal? We're going to have a conversation for a minute. I'm going to ask you today, why are you here? Why did you come here today? And I want you to sit with that question this morning. Don't answer it quickly, but sit with it. Don't hurry to answer. Consider why you got up this morning, brushed your teeth, and took a shower, hopefully. Got in your car and made, all the, made yourself all got yourself here to Westover Elementary School. Why'd you do that? Why do you do it every week? See, I was scrolling through Instagram this week. One of my friends, Saja, shout out to Saja, who's at home with a sick baby. I was scrolling through her Instagram, and and she posted this, and I thought it was so profound, as profound as Instagram can be. A bottle of water can be 50 cents at the supermarket, $2 at the gym, $3 at the movies, $6 on a plane. Same water. The only thing that changed is the value, uh, the only thing that changed, it's the value of the place of where it was. So next time you feel you're worth nothing, maybe you're just in the wrong place. Maybe you came to church today because you want to be at the right place. Maybe you came because you've tried other things and those weren't the right places. Maybe work is not the right place. Maybe you've tried to, to gain the value and self-worth that you so desperately want through activities, through hobbies, through people, through money, through gathering things, but you know that that is not going to give you what you're actually looking for. Maybe you've come to realize that if you don't come to church, your tank, so to speak, doesn't get filled and your week doesn't go well. You understand that beginning your week here kind of does something that sets you up for the rest of the week. And if that's you, you did indeed come to the right place. 
We work very hard, the worship team, JD, myself, and anybody else who's on the stage, we work very hard to instill hope and faith and courage and boldness and to speak and declare over your lives every week. It is, this is the place for you to get filled. However, I want to challenge you a little bit this morning. And I want to challenge your perception of what the church actually is. Why the church exists. You see, the building changes, right? The lights, the method, the rituals, the size, the shape, all of that changes. You can go to different churches and you'll find vastly different shells. Some places are adorned with the beautiful stained glass windows and the pews and wood and mahogany and all the things and it's beautiful. Some places are a big warehouse full of speakers and smoke machines and lights, and it's like, wow. Or some places are a school, like us. And you come and we transform this place from a regular school auditorium to a house of worship. The shell doesn't really matter. The shell can change, and it's really a matter of preference, where you prefer to be. But what matters? What actually matters? I'm going to talk about a few things that does. The first thing that matters is that the church functions as a hospital and not a theater. The church is not a place to put on a show. We are not actors. We are not here pretending and playing pretend. We don't act. We don't put on our Sunday best and walk up here and act like everything is fine in our lives. And we're just perfect, dandy little beings. This kind of behavior actually entirely defeats the point and blocks what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our lives. It defeats and circumvents what the church is actually supposed to do. See, the Bible tells us what the house of worship is supposed to be. The church, by design, is a place of healing. We find this in James 5. If you read with me, it says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sin, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is the role of the church. We are here to welcome the sick, the lonely, the outcast, the sinner, the brokenhearted, the strong, the powerful, the successful, the wealthy, the poor, the rich, the all. We are here to welcome the black, the white, the brown, and everything in between. We are here to find freedom from oppression and from sin. We are here to find purpose and identity. We are here to find friends and family. We are here to find forgiveness and begin 
maybe a new life that so many of us need. It's important to point out, though, that as a house of healing, we also still have sick people among us. People are waiting to be healed. Just because they walked through those doors doesn't mean it immediately happened. Some people are still hurting among us. And some people have not yet learned to let go of the bitterness and the unforgiveness and the hurt of the past and the things that have happened to them. They are still a work in progress. And in a hospital, we find people in pain. So what do we do when we come into this place and we encounter some pain? We welcome them into the house of healing. This reminds me of a passage in Scripture where the Pharisees, which in the in olden days were the religious folks, right? The people that were always in church, <laughs> always in the synagogues, always preaching. They're supposed to be the righteous ones. And so we find this passage where they're asking the disciples, why does your, your teacher, why does he sit with sinners? Why is he sitting with the sick people, right? He was dining with tax collectors, and they just couldn't understand why Jesus would do that to himself. And Jesus, when heard what they said, he answered I, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. See, thank God for Jesus and his willingness to dine with folks like me and you. Because everyone has a story. Everyone has pain. Everyone has sinned. And can I tell you, we're all still a work in progress. We're all on a journey. And thankfully, while we're still on this journey, we can come into a place like this and walk out our healing and walk out our salvation. See, in my village, I welcome the hurting. Can you say that? In my village, I welcome the hurting. The second thing that matters in my village, in the church, it matters that the church is a house of worship, not a concert hall or a lecture hall. This is not a place where you watch the musicians play and appreciate the music, although they are great. But that's not it. This is not it. This is not meant to be spectated, to sit out and watch what's happening over there. This is... I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with going to a concert, but that's a different place. That, this is not that. This is a house of surrender. This is a house of devotion. Lots of bad singing, but open hearts. Why not? Not all of us are up here. Not all of us can do it. But, oh, open hearts. Here, we learn to pray we learn to listen to the voice of God. Here we learn scriptures and how to apply it every day in our lives. Here we learn what it means to the sacrifice of worship. What does that mean to worship sacrificially? Well, it means that, you know what, some Sundays you don't feel like raising your hands and being here. That you sometimes don't want to get up out of bed on a rainy, cold day and come in here and set up and do whatever it is you need to do or even walk into this place? Do you feel like it? No, I just want to sleep because my baby was up all night. 
but you do it anyway. And why do you do it? Because you know that you can't offer God something that costs you nothing. He has loved you, redeemed you, restored you, and paid the ultimate price for your life. And what is your response? You can't help but worship. Because that is our response to a God that has loved us and rescued us and redeemed us. And you also know that if you don't store his word in your heart constantly and daily, you are not able to do this walk as he has called you to. So you come and you get up and you get here. So when we walk through these doors, we come in ready to worship. And what does that mean? Well, worship takes form in service. Worship takes form in giving. Worship takes form in returning to the Lord anything that he has given us. Our service is our worship to God. This God, by the way, who used someone else's service to get you here. We serve every Sunday in this place because we are overflowing. Because we understand what God has rescued us from. So we respond to this Lord who has redeemed us by worship. So say it with me. My, my village, I worship. In my village, I worship. Number three, the third thing that matters in your village. It matters that the church is a family and not a country club. In a country club, you have to pay your dues to belong. In a country club, you have to live a certain standard or appear a certain way or dress in a certain fashion or have a certain socioeconomic status or whatever it is that membership of that club requires of you. Right? You have to measure up in a country club. But not in a family. At least not in a healthy one. In a family, you belong. Period. You belong. You can't unblood yourself. You are tied. You are knit together. You are in this, even on Thanksgiving when you don't want to see each other. You are knit together. Nothing makes family less family. Right? We stick by each other's side. We're there to celebrate. We're there to mourn. And church is a family, is the family of Christ. You and me are brothers and sisters. We find this in Scripture. We are all his children. It says in 1 John 3, 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So the world may not understand this, and people will be like, why do you go to that place so much? So you're a family. I'm coming to see my brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been adopted and made co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Now, I need to take this one step further. In a family, 
We can get mad at each other. In a family, we can bicker. In a family, you know, doesn't mean you all see things, everything the same, and everybody agrees about everything. I mean, you know. But in a family, we have each other's back. 1 Peter 4.8 tells us that love covers a multitude of sin. What does that mean? That your brother or sister are sinning and you just cover it up and say, it's okay. No. It means you love them through their restoration. You love them as they're journeying. Do you lie to them and tell them it's okay what they're doing? No. You love them as they're walking it out. To Galatians 6.2 says this, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Do you know what that means? That means when your brother or your sister are dealing with something, you hook arms with them and you keep them walking. You don't let them stay in hell. You carry that weight with them. You say, you know what? It's all right. We're going to walk out. We're going to do this. I'm with you. You're not alone. I'm carrying this with you. We find in Romans 15:1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and do not and not to please ourselves and not please ourselves. What does that mean? That means that when they're struggling with something, I may not be struggling in that area so I can help them. But the reality is that at some point you will be the weak one too. There are different areas that we all struggle with and we need one another to be strong and to have a brother or sister that is strong in that area to help us walk it out. At some point or another, we all have our areas of strong, of strength and of weakness. But God put this family together for the purpose of what? Restoration, redemption, healing, right? We're never walking it out alone. I thought I turned it off. <laughs> there is something really special about, the, about this family that God puts together. You know, where else in the world do you go and find this kind of diversity of people? There's nowhere else. You go to work, there's always a commonality or common ground or like-mindedness. You, you join a gym membership, it's all the people that love that same thing. And, you know, wherever else you go, you will find... you. That there is a one type and you're one type of people in there. At the church, you get all these different kinds of people with all backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses and, and you know, and ethnicities and cultures and all that. And you're like forced together in this one room. I'm like, I would have never met you. Isn't that awesome? That there is like a bunch of people that maybe you would have never interacted with. But in here, you actually are family. That you can come together with all this diversity and learn from each other and grow together and walk out. Consider this with me. These people in this room will actually take time to listen to you when you're sad. These people in this room will send you meals when you have a baby. I'm all tell, telling you things that happen. These people in this room will walk your dog when you had knee surgery and you can't walk. These people will cry with you when you lose a loved one. 
these people in here will wrestle with you, will look you in the eye and say, you're not, you're wrong. You're not doing this right. But let me show you. The Bible says this, and I will pray with you, and I will believe that God will restore and change your story. In this room, your teenagers, your children will learn to serve the Lord and worship them. Where else are they going to go to learn to serve God and worship? In this room, you'll learn, like I said, to pray, to dig deep, to have faith. When the circumstances look bleak and no one else around there even gets what you're saying, but you have this dream in your heart and you really believe that God has something for you, no one understands. But in this room, we will sit with you, we will pray, we will believe, and we will fight for that. Where else are you going to go to find that? Look. I don't want to paint the perfect picture. You know, this pretty picture that the church is filled with rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> and there's no heartache. It's not true. Sometimes we open our hearts to people and people hurt us. Because like I said, we are all hurting. We're all sick. We're all in need of, of, of Jesus. Sometimes family members will walk away. And you'll be like, you just left me. Sometimes people will leave and people will betray. That happens here too. Because the church is not for perfect people. I started with this. The church is a hospital. And all those that walk in thinking that they're perfect are sorely mistaken and will soon find that they need Jesus just as much as we do. The church is for all of us. I want you to realize something about your village today. Although we are not perfect, we are the bride of Christ. And the church is the only institution God created with the power against hell. It's the only institution that can care for the young, the older, because there's no one old, the older Right? It's the only institution that can care for all, that can take, of you, take care of you from birth to death. What other place handles every spectrum of your life like the church? The church has been given authority from God. It's not me saying this. Look, it's in Matthew 16. The Bible tells us, and I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The power to conquer hell has not been given to the government. Some of us keep expecting the government to fix our problems. It won't. It can't. There is nothing the government can do for humanity to flourish. It's a soul problem. It's a spirit problem. The government cannot heal you. There's nothing they can do. They can't forgive you. They can't restore your heart. They can't fill you with hope. They won't fill you with faith. 
Their best attempts fall short and fails every time because the keys of the kingdom of heaven have been given to the church. It is the church that has been equipped to restore you. It has been equipped to bind the enemy in your life. It has been equipped to deal with those soul issues, the heart problems that you're dealing with that has been plaguing you, the sin that has been coming at you your whole life, the enemy that has been trying to destroy you and put you to death your whole life. The church has been equipped to handle it. We have the keys. So don't go looking somewhere else. Come to the house of healing. Say, my church is my place. I'm going to end this with a very deep question for you. Okay? So hold on. Have you ever met a Costco member that is not obsessed with Costco? <laughs> right? Okay. I mean, seriously. You know, if you know J.D. and I, if you've hung around with us, you would have heard how much we love Costco. Like Costco is God's gift to shopping. I mean, seriously. All Costco members feel this way. I'm going to tell you right now. We all do. Okay. So, bored, Costco night. Nowhere to go. Our family, we're going to browse through Costco. I got free food and appetizers and all the things. Date night. Is Costco open? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but maybe. Depends on the day. See, anyone, okay, let me ask you this. Anyone ever met a Jelly of the Month club member? <laughs> no. I mean, if you even were one, would you fess up to it? Nobody ever met a Jelly of the Month club member. No one knows about that. There's a, there's a, there's, did you know I was researching clubs? Do you know that there's a Mustard of the Month club member? Who likes mustard that much? There's, it's so weird. I can't. Total sidetrack. It's like, here, guys. The church should be treated a lot more like Costco membership than a Jelly of the Month club membership. I know you'll never hear this anywhere else. But hear me out. You know why? Because the church, your village, is not something you should be sheepish about, sheepish about sharing. Right? This place has grounded you, has given you hope, has given you identity, has given you life, has brought you to Jesus, has taught you things. What else is of more value to share like, I don't know, but you go to Costco and you find a sale. I'm going to, you find a sale on steaks. What do you do? Bro, they're selling steaks for half off. Go get it. Right? You come to church. The Lord breaks sin off of your life. You find peace. You haven't had peace in months, maybe years or maybe ever. And then you come into the presence of God. And his peace washes over you like a river. And you're finally able to breathe again. And what do you do? I'm just going to keep it to myself because there's not enough of God to pass around. 
you share. This you call everybody. Y'all don't understand. I was lost and now I'm found. I was a mess. I was a mess, lost in my sin, doing all kinds of things. I was dying inside and now I have hope again. I have direction. I know what the Lord wants for me and I can go for it and I can, I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. What do you do when God does that to you? What do you do when your life is flipped upside down but thank God it was flipped upside down because you don't know where you would be? You share. You tell the world because there is a world dying. There are friends of yours who if they don't encounter Jesus, they will literally be dead soon. We know this. There is a world of people who desperately need the identity of Christ. They don't know where else to look. They are shooting blanks over at the stars and like, okay, maybe this dart will land somewhere. Maybe if I try this, I can maybe, maybe. And we have the answer. We have the answer. We carry the answer. I want to challenge you today. Connect community is the village God has planted you in. And as part of this village, you have three things I'm going to challenge you to do really quickly. Number one, say, my job is to remain. You don't leave when sick people act sick in the church. Because you know that this is a hospital. And you know that this is where they need to go. And this is your family. And you have each other's back. You don't turn your back on family. You remain. Say, my second job is to engage. This is not a place for you to watch. This is a place for you to open your heart, for you to learn, for you to grow, for you to become, for you to worship, for you to open your heart and roll up your sleeve. You engage. And third, say my third job is to share. If you hold the secret to the cure of a disease, to eradicate some kind of illness or virus, do you keep it to yourself? Or do you share it with a world that needs healing? You hold it. You hold the keys. You hold the secret to people being set free. You hold the secret to lives that are bound by oppression for them to be set free. What do you do with that? You share it. You share it with a world that needs it. Friends, my deep hope this morning, if you take anything from here, anything that I said, is that it will make you understand that this village of yours, this village that God has called you and planted you into, is way more than just a place you attend on Sunday. I hope and pray that you remember these things as you walk into this building, 
as you walk about your day each, each day in the week, that you remember that God wants to do something through you and in you. And this is the institution he created for that. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.